think I'm an ultra competitor. Like, I mean, me and Dooch play golf together and stuff. Like, I just, I just like winning and I, I just compete or try to win and I will give whatever it takes to do that. And I think I was in the right environment that the guys at Lower House like uh, Charlie, Dooch, these guys have the same mentality that, like Charlie's a born winner as well. And he doesn't care how he does it. He just wants to win. And I think it was just, like I said, it was a perfect marriage. And it allowed me to express myself maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But I do want to tell one story. And this was not in 2011, but it was in 2012. Maybe it, it, isn't, it isn't common knowledge. But at the time, I think it was like a bank holiday Monday or something. And the Sunday game got rained out. And we started playing indoor cricket. <laughs> I can see Joe putting his hands in front of his eyes. Um, it's not really common knowledge. And I, I don't always want to stir the pot. But anyway, so we were playing indoor cricket. And it starts off harmless, doesn't it? Like people bowling donkey drops. Where were you playing indoor cricket? cricket? Where? You need to say where we were playing. We were playing in the clubhouse. In um, the bar. In the bar, great. So it starts off obviously harmless. um, And as the testosterone grows and the the amount of beers you drink grows, the aggression obviously naturally grows with it. So we sort of start off quite harmless. You bowl, you pat it back. Nobody tries any aggressive shots. And as the day goes on, the tennis ball started you taping it up and it swings and... Everybody starts getting a bit more aggressive, and uh, one of the Stuart Gaynor things, rubbing a ball as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, and, and everybody starts pulling off one step, and then. Uh, by the way, just to picture this, we were running in from the changing room end, bowling towards the tea room. So uh, it's quite a big dance floor area and uh, you could have quite a big run up. And it's like that little ridge, is there, when you walk from that end and it starts giving you just a bit more momentum. And one of the participants was Joey Hawk. Now, obviously, Joey is renowned for being sensible and uh, quite level-headed. Um, he doesn't do anything silly. And uh, this was about 11 o'clock at night and this has been going on all day. Joey is bowling, me and him are bowling and Joey bowls this ball gets the ball back and he, and he decides he's going to have a shy at the non-strikers. Now, at the time, uh, nobody was backing up. So he was just palping it back straight up me and it hits that little ramp. It ricochets. I can't get my hands up in time and it smashes one of the paintings or at this time, I just thought it's like one of the photos behind me. And I'm like, can't be good. Turn around and it smashed the Worsley Cup 2000, 2004 final. Yeah, 2004 final uh, painting. And I'm just going, oh, bloody hell, Orky. What have you done? This is unbelievable. Can't believe you've done it. Stan has been moaning about us playing cricket indoors and I promised him nothing would happen. <laughs> So he's thrown this ball back, smashed the, smashed the glass. So me thinking I'll be a good deed, I start picking out this glass out of, the, out of the frame, trying to clear it out so we can take it off. Halfway through, I realize I've cut my back of my finger. And looking at the photo, I've realized I've put like three blood dots on the actual painting. So now, being, being quite uh, jovial with a few beers, I'm just thinking, how have I become like the, the main suspect for causing this when it wasn't even my so I tell Hawkey to load. So we've, we've lo- taken the picture off. We've loaded in his car and I say, we'll sort it out in the morning. So morning comes, Hawkey rocks up at my house and I said, Hawkey, I've been thinking about this for ages. What we'll do is we'll go to Tesco and we'll buy like a water painting kit and we'll paint over the blood dots on the painting. <laughs> so I was like, right, he, he says it's a great idea because at the time, apparently somebody said there's only like three paintings like that in, in, like that's been made. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. Blaze has got one. Would Blaze swap out his painting for like a blood dotted one? Like, obviously not. So 
I was thinking, I can do this. Michelangelo will go to Tesco. I can do this. So we go to Tesco, buy like this water painting kit. The only disappointing thing about this is we did it in uh, Jules's kitchen where the lighting wasn't that good. If Maybe if the lighting was better, the job would have been better. But I start mixing green and white paint and I start painting over. And uh, eventually I've painted over all the green bits and uh, covered the blood spots. And I thought it was uh, very impressive. And uh, at that time, I thought we were not going to do any better. So we taking it to some glass fitter, get it fitted over, and we're heading over to Low House to drop it off. We get there, Stan is obviously there, and he's like, all right, boys, what are you boys doing here? He has no idea about it. So I was like with this uh, really difficult decision, if I should tell Stan that we smashed the glass or you should just sneak it in. So I say to Joe, right, let's just try and sneak it in. So we sneak it in, we do it all hush-hush, then we're off. I get to about Low House Lane, and I just thought, how bad is it going to be if Stan looks at a photo and he sees like, something is not right. So I turn around and I ring Stan. I said, Stan, right, I'll tell you what happened last night. We smashed the glass and then obviously cut my fingers, blood dot, blah, blah, blah. I said, right, Frankie, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world, but can you please just show me where it was? So I said, no, Stan, I'm not going to tell you. Can you look at it? And if you can tell me where it is, then I can say yes. So he goes, all right, right, Frankie, I'll have a look, I'll have a look. And he looks at it and then he starts pointing at this and he goes, Frankie, is that it? I said, Stan, that's a cricket ball. <laughs> and that's about the time I knew I did a fantastic job at painting over the blood dots. But if anybody has a chance ever, go have a look at it. It's like an angel halo about the lady at the bottom sat down above her head <laughs> that I've painted over. So for those of you that don't know, uh, yes, that was uh, my doing. Uh, obviously not by choice, but uh, I thought if nobody's noticed it by now, I've obviously done a great job. Okay, got away with it. Yeah, well done. One of the other stories from that year was we were playing a game at Haslindon. Francois hadn't been to Burnley or Haslindon before. Goodness. So, so, you know, I didn't go with him. Dooch didn't go with him. Blaise didn't go with him. Who went with him? Stuart. To, di- to direct Francois of how to get to Haslindon. <laughs> so we get to Haslindon and we start warming up. No sign of Francois, no sign of Stuart. Keep, keep looking and think, where on earth? Where are they? So Stanny rings Francois, no answer. Uh, so he rings, he rings Stuart. Stuart, where are you? I'm sat in Francois's car. <laughs> As a thought. Thanks for uh, yeah, thank yeah. Cheers, cheers, Stu. So I think we, I think you got there in the end, Frank. I don't know what time it was. But it was so late, and I could just remember thinking, can you put Francois on? Yeah, where are you? I'm on the highway. <laughs> yeah, and you know what the funny thing is? Like, obviously now, you think, like, how do you not get there? But back in the day, there was no GPS. Like, there was no phone. No, you have to get, like, an actual GPS to actually get yeah. to places. And everybody thought, excuse me, let Stuart go with the pro. He can tell him where to go. Never no. trust him ever again. No, it's bad with directions. Yeah. Um, was, it, was it after that year that you... Met Jez and Nicky in that bar in Australia? Um, <laughs> um, no, I think that was after my three year stint. Um, so, oh, was it? Right, okay. yeah, it was. Right, so, okay. yeah, we sort of, Nicky and uh, Jez sort of came round to Melbourne watching the Ashes, and we just sort of had a you know, quite social out. Nothing major in the in in the bar or anything. Just outside MCG. Uh, just had a few beers before the big bash, and uh, it was quite a good time. Good to see them. Um, I think they head off to uh, to meet Ryan. I think you 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 met up with Ryan then. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, but no, it was a good crack in that bar. I think Haw- was Hawking up there, maybe. I'm yeah, right. we met a couple of times, didn't we? We met. Uh, I think we met one evening. 
at some um, the, the big bash game where we I don't think we had a drink or we had a pint before or a pint after and it was freezing cold if you remember a real bad wind and then we said we'll meet up for the next game which was an afternoon game and um, and you said right we'll meet you in this particular bar which was I old. think it's the Royal the Royal Melbourne bar or something it's got like quite a distinctive name uh, it yeah. and it uh, it wasn't that far from the ground and me and Nicky and it was quite quiet around the ground there wasn't that many you know that were going on to the big bash games but I remember walking into this bar and it was reminiscent of the time of me and Sheridan and Tony Woodworth walking into a bar in the middle of Stonehill, having to go and take on about 26 um, young English lads who all in the vest wanting to fight everyone. I've never said anything like it. And the, dance, the dancing on the bar was something else. <laughs> Right, so obviously we've discussed the 2011 season there and we're at an hour and 30, 38 minutes. Yeah, um, I'm cut it down. Yeah, no, no, I know that. But what I'm saying is that, you know, maybe we should we should realistically have Frankie on for the other two seasons he was pro and have another, have a 2012 season and a 2013 one. Yeah, we can't, we can't do them both now. No, we'd be four hours. Anything else in that two, 2000? So, so another thing was the 2011, just sort of off the back of me, just wanting to tell. So my first experience, right. So I arrived in, at Manchester Airport, right. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm keen. I've just had two days on the trot where I've been drinking with my mates, getting ready for a big season in England. I get picked up by John Wade. So I'm with Wade in the car. <laughs> On the way back, right, heading back in his Volvo. First time back, me and Wakey talking, right, everything is good. I'm just keen to get started. We're going to have a meeting at the Sycamore Farm. So we get there, it's David Wren, Charlie, and obviously Wakey, they just drop me off. So sit down, meet everybody, and I, I start chatting. And uh, David Wren goes, so uh, we sorted out accommodation, but just to give you a heads up, so we've got this old, we've got no old lady, well, that's a bit harsh, but we've got this lady that uh, their husband is, is passed away, but... Uh, um, she she wants she's happily to put you up so uh, just a heads up though a dog uh, keeps biting everybody that uh, enters their house so if you like it there you can stay but obviously if you mind the dog I don't know how you feel about it but then you, we could sort something else out so me being a dog person I'm like oh happy days I've got no issue living there so I rock up at Jules's and uh, we've got this Alsatian Ronnie that as soon as I walked in wanted to tear your head off <laughs> and uh, I just was happy to stay there and I, I can't think of anything better for me personally and for the cricket club because Jules is sort of the heart of the community. I used to go to Rose Grove and it just embedded me in the whole Rose Grove and Lower House community that... I love staying at Jules's. Johnny Russell used to come out on Friday mornings and ask Jules, like, so what is the big man being up to this week? And he used to dig all the information out. And then weekends, he used to, like, ask me, but he already knew. And Jules would tell him everything that we did during the week. And I just think it was, like, such a perfect harmony or combination that I felt really close because, like, Charlie Chip, Stewart, a lot of the people that went on used to go into the railway. It, it just connected everything quite perfectly in terms of supporters, players, pro. It was just like a perfect harmony in a sense. And she put on a wonderful spread as well on the last game of the season. An amazing cake. 
I can remember that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was quite, and I and obviously Jules with her husband just passing away. I think it was great for her as well, having a young breath of fresh air in there as well. I, I just think it was like a perfect harmony. Like, obviously, I put Jules through some hell. Like, we had loads of pros round. <laughs> whoa, 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 sweet <laughs> You mean do you mean league pros? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean league pros. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was speaking to Joe beforehand. So at the time, one of my mates, uh, Puchis, came round. We went on a night out Thursday night. Wake up on a Friday morning. So I wake up, about to go to the toilet, and there is the biggest pile of shit at the bottom of my bed. And I'm like, what the? I wake him up and I'm going, what have you done last night? How pissed were you? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, how? And I mean, it was massive. I'm like, why have you shat at the bottom of my fucking bed? I, I do not believe how have you done that. It wasn't me, I promise. I said, but it wasn't me. Who else is going to do that? So I'm fuming, storming downstairs. And I sort of mentioned this in passing to Jules. And Jules goes, oh yeah, Ronnie has a pup used to poo in that room. So uh, it, it could have been her. <laughs> <laughs> so a few times during my tenure as pro, um, I've I've entered my room and there was a massive pile of surprise waiting for me as I entered the room. <laughs> well, I could, Frank, uh, Frankie, I can remember that you. I mean, you had a real attachment with Ronnie the dog, and I can remember you walking him in his whites after a game when Jude on holiday or something. Yeah, like I, it was quite. Uh, <laughs> he left cool in his whites. Yeah. So it was obviously fantastic. Like, what an awesome lady. She's like a second mum. And she was just accommodating each other. Like, if she went away, I, I remember when she had the chippy, she had like this dodgy Bible that was like a safe that you unlocked and it had cash inside. So when she was uh, away on holiday, I had to do a books for her. So she showed me the ropes and I was like an accountant. I walked the dog. And obviously at the time, my wages at Lower House was minuscule. So by the time Wednesday came, I had no cash left. So I literally went like, get paid Monday, pay my wages back a week later for jewels. And then I had no money left Wednesday. And then I, I borrow money again. And, and that's sort of how the... The cycle worked um, before for the whole year round because they always retain a certain percentage of your wages if, if you didn't know as a pro so they retain like 20 percent of your wages and then at the end of the season if you've played the whole year they pay it back so i sort of lived with that. so i sort of live for the idea jules don't worry i'm getting that 20 percent. so every week i was like jules can i get 50 quid please yeah that's fine i'll pay you next week by the time that it got to the end of the season i could uh, get that 20 percent back and i'll pay jules back <laughs> Oh dear! Brilliant, Jules. Uh, she was absolutely amazing. Love that lady. No, uh, right, good. that was a good chat. I enjoyed that. Some really good stories there, I think, Frank, and yeah. good insight as well. Yeah, like I mean, there is obviously a, a few more stories that potentially isn't quite viable for uh, for podcast and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But one of the one of the, the great things, um, like I said, I saw Paul Stanley there today, and a lot of the youngsters don't really realise what Low Ross was about. And I feel really privileged that I used to play in the old changing rooms. The fact that it was everybody hated playing at Low House. They hated coming to Low House. I remember Werner who wrote at Enfield, and he hated the whole Enfield team that never wanted to come to Low House. I sort of thrived on that. I love that. Like, you come to Lower House, you hate it. Well, that's great. You come here, you live like us. I just, for some reason, I just love that. Why do we want to make it nice for you coming, uh, coming around to our place? Like, and all the, everybody obviously sees a new changing rooms and how nice it was. And it, it just never was like that. 
I suppose in your day, Jason, I can't imagine what it was like. Like I was like at the back end, like 2011 when the changes were there. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was more like a hen hunt. You remember it, Gooch. It was, you know, there weren't a lot going on, but it was, you know, sell off eight, didn't spoil anything. Like you said, it probably put more, uh, more of the away teams off than it did, uh, did us any favours. You know, I had some good memories in there. So we have uh, a lot of good stories. A lot of good stories, right? <laughs> oh, excellent. Right. Thanks, Frank. So we'll get you on again to discuss 2012. Um, no, I can't think of any. Can you think of anything else that happened, Dooch, in 2011? I, I, I thought, I, I said to Stanley, it was a very unmemorable season because it was nothing really odd that happened. We were just looking at the scorecards. I looked as well. We were just scoring 140, 120. Mm. 110 place 90. We were just finding out results. It was just a, a, a great effort. And unless you've experienced it, it's very hard to talk about it and, and say what has happened and what has done this. And unless you've been, because it was a constant, like, I can remember trying to cow Meadey after being, I've been grinding my tits off on Nelson's wicket because it's the worst wicket ever in the whole world. Grinding, getting singles and just getting fed up and trying to cow one and getting bold, thinking that we'll win easily and then end up nearly losing. Like that was how inexperienced I was as pro. Mm, yeah. I, I, was, oh. I was Nelson, by the way, Jess, when you used to play on it. I hate playing Nelson. It's one of my most hated grounds. It's just a shit wicket. Low, slow, awful. Yeah, no, we, uh, I, I never minded it. There was we had we, there were some good pictures a while ago. Um, it did get a bit of a. I think I, I think we stopped spending money on it and it started going downhill. But you know, going back some years, you, you know, it was fantastic. You know, it was was a decent pitch. I always did okay there. Yeah, I, I don't think my stats at Nelson is great at all. Like I've, I don't think I've had great games there, especially with the ball. Just on a, on a completely side note, Jez, how many overs did you, did you were you keen bowling from the parking? Yeah, I didn't mind that bowl from any end if, uh, you know, because it, it started off really because when I first started bowling in the first team, I was probably 23, when we had some good amateurs and there was a few of them wouldn't bowl from the park end. So I just thought I'm better off volunteering to bowl from any end than not bowling. So that's how it got from there and I got used to it a little bit. Yeah, because it, it, it's just a strange thing because I spoke to, to uh, Dooch about it as well. Like, I think certain bowlers really suits bowling from park end. Like, I think Joey Hawk is the perfect bowler. He's not that tall, he's skiddy. And, it, and at park end where it sort of nips into the wicket and it stays low, he's sort of like the perfect bowler. And I think a lot of guys, because it's not the quickest or the glamorous end to bowl from, they're not always that uh, keen to, to bowl from that. But obviously, I've never seen you bowl. So I, I always try and picture what sort of bowler Jays was, where you're like a bigger way swinger, where you're sort of a, 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 a in ducker, nipper it in, or were you a skidder, were you like a, a big cutter bowler? Like, I, it's hard for me to envisage and trying to see which end you would bowl from or how you bowl. Yeah, um, I'd like to think I could bowl all those, uh, Frankie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's but, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I, I would bowl according to the the conditions really. And bowling from the park end, you just didn't bowl any half uh, volleys. You, you know, you just made sure certainly if you were near the top end of the square. You know, if you bowled it short of a length, you had plenty of uh, plenty of you know room for your field uh, on, down on the leg side. But no, I just, I just love bowling, Frankie. I love bowling. You know, mainly an out swinger, and um, you know could try and do a bit. I think. Towards the, the last 25% of my career, I, I got a quite a decent slow ball that would get a lot of poor batsmen out. 
later on in the in the games. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't mind bowling from that end. Jess, did you bowl a lot from that end? Yeah, the majority of the time. Whatever platform you're listening on, it would be a real benefit if you subscribed, whether that's on um, Apple Podcasts or whether that's on Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you subscribe, it really helps our listeners. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're on the we're on the um, podcast charts now. We're actually chartered in our uh, for our podcast efforts. Uh, so the more that more that you subscribe, you'll get the podcast through to your to your phone or whatever you listen on straight away, and it helps us as well. Helps us with our listenership. So that'd be great if you could do that. Thanks very much, everybody, and we'll speak soon.